Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this Sunday evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, uh, the Islanders had a chance to face the Capitals directly for uh, first place in the division and uh, promptly pissed all over themselves and now sit third behind the Caps and Penguins after uh, a pathetic display over the course of two games in which they played maybe a pretty good period and a half, I want to say, to be generous, but not a good showing for the Islanders in the last couple of games, and it's really infuriating. Yeah, the first period in the the one nothing shootout loss, the double shutout, was so encouraging because of the performance it came uh, on the heels of, which is a good showing against the Rangers. That that's that's what makes what happened on uh, Saturday night, where everybody except for what two players, maybe Adam Pellick and. Uh, I don't know, JG Peugeot. Well, the Peugeot line has been good. So we'll, we'll, we'll get, say that Bailey, Peugeot, Beauvillier, like they've been good. But outside of those three and Pelic, Polak, like everyone else, like you said, promptly wet themselves. And uh, it's it's weird because the name of the show is Islanders Anxiety. And this this is, a, I guess, a, a little off-branded would be better for Islanders Serenity. But like, I'm not terribly worried about the Islanders themselves because we have seen like the team that it, this we know what this team can be right we know that they can be an elite play like an elite team like sometimes they look like the Tampa Bay Lightning look I remember all these years of watching teams like the Lightning or going back to like when the Blackhawks and Kings were really good and being like wow like there's just such a difference between the way that these really really good teams play and the Islanders play when they were like kind of like just a scrappy upstart or they were bad um, and then, you know, in the first year under trots, you started to see that team and, and it's, and it's really developed into like a team where, you know, other fans, when they watch Islander games, like, I wish my team would play like that. I, I have a f- friend who's a Montreal Canadiens f- fan and his friends are always texting me him and he'll send me a screenshot. Like we should play more like the Islanders. Why can't we play more like the Islanders? And the problem right now is the Islanders aren't playing like the Islanders that much, uh, or on a consistent enough basis, but you know, it's there and, my hope, and and I don't, and I'm giving the benefit of the doubt to Barry Trotz, who obviously has d- deserves more benefit of the doubt than anybody I've ever maybe in my entire life. Like this guy, he can he can do whatever he wants. He can, and I, I will still say, you know, like trust him, and you got to just live with with his little uh, kind of weird lineup decisions <laughs> because the big picture is just so good. But uh, I'm hoping, and I'm willing to look at the silver lining, which is 
he's trying to figure out the right form of this team going down the stretch and into the playoffs. Like, and it, and it certainly hasn't revealed itself yet. Like we, we, I can think we can say for certain that the Travis Ajak experiment with Matt Barzell and Jordan Eberle is, is, is gets an F like that's not, that that's not going to work. The Leo Komarov experiment seems like it's working a little bit, but there's still other like things that he can tinker with. And I'm expecting to see down the line. So like, if this continues this pattern of, okay, they, they look really good for a period and then really bad for a period uh, and then lose it continues like into the playoffs. And I'm going to be a little sad just because we, we're going to watch them squander a great season uh, probably in the first round because the other teams in the division are good. You can't, we're not going to get a free pass in round one. Uh, so like, I'm willing to kind of sit back, wait and, and see uh, what happens. But it's at the same time, like it, you, you got it. They got to like get it sorted uh, within what the next, we've got what like eight games left nine games like they gotta they gotta get it sorted within like the next four so that they can pick up some form going into uh the tournament yeah you're you're a much more patient man than i am which explains why you're able to win money in sports betting and i am just like yeah i would i know that's probably not a good idea for me because <laughs> uh, i get a little bit emotional during these games uh i closed my laptop as soon as Kenny Kuznetsov scored the 5-3 goal last night. And I was like, I can't take this anymore. I'm not going to watch these guys piss away another period. Um, and so I hope you're right. I hope that there is some tinkering going on. Uh, I think I, I agree with you, and I think a lot of other people would, that the, the Zajac first-line experiment didn't work. I saw somebody you know, made a comment at Lighthouse Hockey saying, you know, the trade itself was fine. I, I just I don't think anybody expected Travis Zajac to be their first-line center after the trade deadline. It's like, that's part of the problem is that he's there. And, you know, we all complain about Leo Kamarov being there, but if you give Zajac an F in that spot, I mean, maybe Leo is like a D plus, I guess, maybe a C, a C minus, you know? So like, you know, it's not great, but it's there. And and hopefully there's some more tinkering left to do. Uh, the Islanders do have eight games left. They have one game against the Capitals. The format of this episode, by the way, uh, we're going to do it a little bit differently. We're going to talk about the two games against the Capitals that they just played right now. And then on the, uh, second half, we're going to talk about the much better game they played last week against the Rangers and what that means going forward as they play the Rangers again next week. Um, and so uh, they have eight games left, one more against the Capitals, two against the Rangers, Sabres, and Devils. I'm going to mention those games again in a minute. And then one more against the Bruins. And that's it. And then the playoffs begin. And I mean, at this point, you know, nothing is locked up. There's no X next to the Islanders, but I mean, it's fairly safe to assume that they will be a playoff team. And so Butch Goring made the point uh, in Saturday night's broadcast that the, you know, the Islanders playing for position in this scenario in this season really doesn't matter that much because you know who you're going to be playing. It's either going to be the Bruins, Capitals, or Penguins. My counter argument is it matters a hell of a lot because those teams are going to go in there wanting to take you out. And if you have lost to all of them in recent succession badly, they know that they can't. And especially losing home ice advantage, also not a good deal. So I get what Butch was trying to say. Butch always tries to be pretty pretty positive, but I I, uh, I respectfully disagree with that. And I would have liked to have seen the Islanders win at least one of these two games that they just played, and they lost them both. Like you mentioned before, one was a one nothing shootout loss. Um, they were great in the first period, absolutely terrible in periods two and three. Simeon Varlamov was fantastic, and he got beat by two shootout goals. Hey, what are you going to do? And you know. The score itself didn't really bother me so much as the fact that the Islanders didn't play for two periods. And then Saturday night's game, they lost 6-3, um, which is, again, being generous. They were down 2 nothing, like four minutes into the game. Alex Ovechkin didn't even play. And I am hate I hate to say this, but like I knew they were going to lose the minute I knew he wasn't going to be in the game because this happens every single time. He's not in the game. Oh, this is great. There's one less huge guy to worry about. And then they just absolutely the wheels come off and they just don't want to play the rest of the other 21 capitals on the team, whatever. And so guys like Nick Dowd and Garnet Hathaway all of a sudden turn into Yvonne Cornway and Jacques Lemaire. And they're skating all over the ice and making the Islanders look stupid. And it was infuriating. And they got two power play goals. They got an awesome shorthanded goal from Adam Pellick, who's got the best non Matt Barzell goal of the season, I think so far this season for the Islanders, but uh, that's where the positivity ends. And, and, you know, you're looking at, Yet another terrible game played after the trade deadline in which you thought, most people thought, most people even outside of us, thought the Islanders made the right move. They picked up two guys that looked like they were going to help. 
Okay, they also picked up Braden Coburn. And since then, they've been absolutely terrible. And it's really, you know, I hope you're right. I hope Barry Trotz is is tinkering. But even if he is, he's got to settle on a lineup soon because they're, the playoffs are going to start around the corner. And you can't go in playing as poorly as the Islanders have and expect to come out of round one as a victim because it's just not going to happen. Right, yeah. And, and the, the reason I, I am like a little calm is because there are seemingly solutions to the problem um which is you know i think i think right now the islanders have one line that that has been consistent through this little stretch which is it always seems to be the jg pajot line uh you know whenever whenever the the islanders like tinker with their lineup or someone gets hurt whoever ends up playing with jg pajot in the middle is the line that ends up being like oh this this line's working for some reason he's just the most (laughs) versatile guy in the world he can play with anybody and uh right now it's uh Josh Bailey and, and Anthony Beauvillier. And so if you think about that line being kind of set in stone at the moment, and then you, you got uh, Nelson Palmieri, seemed to, that, that, they seem to be fine together. The The third man on that line right now, Michael Dalcola is playing fine too, but he, like he obviously can come in and out of the lineup. He, he's someone who, who, who does stuff that helps, but uh, he's never going to score at a, second line winger rate so you can you can move him up or and down any the line winger rate yeah. for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> like to me it's it's like it, you, you, he you, i love him like we all love him because of like he i don't know has there been a funkier career in the nhl's like in this modern era of the nhl than his like fifth overall pick a guy who came who i remember where i was when he, they drafted him that was uh mm. the ekblad draft i was bartending at, at buckley's and valley stream and and i'm watching i'm like oh michael dow cole he was basically the consensus number five pick by yep. everybody 100 percent consensus they, pick to the islanders and they all talked about his shot they were like this guy he his skating is is going to take some time to catch up but he's got a great shot and he's got a great nose for the net i don't know what what happened <laughs> because usually when that happened like usually like think about oliver wallstrom like when he he was drafted, he had the kind of the same scouting scouting report it was great shot, and his skating isn't at an NHL level yet. He's probably got to pick up like a little bit more hockey sense, and if he can, it's he's going to be a weapon because he, he can turn the game on a dime with that shot, which we've seen him do plenty. Uh, whereas Del Cole, it's like it's completely kind of inverted where he's now. If he could ever find a shot, he could be a really good NHL player because he does everything else kind of well. Uh, but to like, we, we can talk about the lineup. Barry, Barry Trotz obviously doesn't listen to anybody besides himself, maybe, and maybe a couple of his, his guys in, in the war room, but like Dal Cole can come in and out. He can, he can play basically anywhere on the line in the lineup. Um, you know, I, I frankly would love to see him replace Cal Clutterbuck on the fourth line and, and one of, and, and hopefully like Oliver Wallstrom at one point come in, but like the, the what point I'm making is like Palmieri and Nelson seem to be fine together. Brock Nelson's looked really good lately. Uh, he's one of one of a few guys, and but it's the first line that is not clicking. And you at, for this team to work in the playoffs, like that needs to change. Like they need to allevi- alleviate the burden on Matt Barzell and Jordan Everly to an extent. Like the two of them uh, need they need help. And if if this team is to go anywhere, that help should be coming from. Uh, a guy who's not Travis Ajak and and it, like Leo Komarov has been fine. And if, and maybe in like the right matchup that works, like when you're playing a team that doesn't handle four checking as well, like their defense can't move the puck, uh, isn't, don't have great puck move, movers in the back, like fine. Uh, but you're not going to really run into those teams in the playoffs. Cause usually those teams don't make the playoffs. So like at some point it's going to like the rubber needs to hit the road where this team's going to need to, uh, get get the top six, especially that top line, working much more consistently, because the rest of the lineup will be fine. Like like the fourth line hasn't been great either, but it, you'd expect them to to do their job at least uh, in, in when when the playoffs come around and just to they'll play their twelve minutes. They'll hopefully not get burned like they've been getting burned lately. <laughs> but but like it the the team itself is like it's there and it's 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 like it shouldn't be this complicated to to put it together. And I'm hoping in in my own head that the reason it hasn't is because Barry Trotz doesn't really want to give uh, whoever the Bruins, Penguins, or Capitals tape on Matt Barzell playing with Oliver Wallstrom or Matt Barzell playing with Kyle Palmieri or whoever whoever is going to end up being that first line winger in the playoffs because I'm going to be extremely extremely scared, mm-hmm. like so behind the sofa scared if Travis Ajak and Leo Komarov are still up there 
when we when we take on whoever in in round one of the playoffs and so like it's it's real it's a really strange time to be watching this team because look like they're basically 99% to make the playoffs. So the results really don't matter as much. Like, yes, seeding and home, home ice advantage matter. But like, like Butch, the, to Butch's point, the, the difference between who the opponent is really, really negligible right now. Like really negligible. These You could put the Penguins in the Bruins uniforms and put them, have them play the Islanders and be like, I don't, I, this might be the Bruins or it might be the Penguins. The same goes as the Capitals. All these teams play pretty similar style hockey. Um, and it's, it reminds me of like the the old Pacific Division with like the Ducks, the Sharks, and the and the Kings. You're like these. You I don't know who is on which team, but they all play the same exact style of hockey. Uh, and so it's like it's not the results that really matter too much, but the process needs to get better. Uh, and you hope that at some point when when the, it's, it's clear that something isn't working, uh, that things change pretty quickly. Like because it definitely didn't work against the cap that Capitals game. And it, and it really didn't work, in, I guess, in the first Capitals game in the second half. So we're looking at like five periods now, four and a half periods of, of bad Islanders. And the, the hope, hopefully they respond with a, uh, a win that would truly, uh, you know, put them right back in the race for the fir- first place in the division against the Capitals. Uh, because they, to their credit, when, when they do really uh, hit rock bottom, like the next game, they do come out. It's just that they don't carry that momentum forward into the the second game after after they they bottom out yeah right i mean right now i mean it's safe to say that the first and fourth lines aren't working period like you can see signs of life from lines two and three again i thought nelson has looked pretty good with palmieri uh and yeah i mean basically anybody you put next to jg pajot is going to look pretty good like because he's just constantly trying to set people up and uh, right now that the recipient of that is really Josh Bailey. I, I wouldn't mind seeing, um, again, it's not like Barry Trotz listened to us, but I wouldn't mind seeing Dal Cole get a run on that first line just to see what happens. I mean, what's the point? Like, if you're going to play two guys in Komarov and Zajac that don't offer a whole lot in terms of offense anyway, why not go for the guy who really doesn't offer any in offense but is willing to do all those kinds of heavy things that they don't do that well? Uh, in Dal Cole. I also, like a lot of other people, would like to see Oliver Wallstrom get that chance because I think whatever def- defensive deficiencies he might have, and he probably has some, I'm sure, I think Barzell and Everly are pretty good about it, so I think they'd, they'd be able to compensate. But um, regardless of what that is, if those two lines aren't working, uh, yeah, we're looking at a very, very short stay in the playoffs for the Islanders. The fourth line this year has been really kind of disappointing. I, I don't know... What it is, there's there there's definitely something wrong with them, and they definitely haven't looked their same, particularly these last two games. Um, you know, and the worst part of it is that Sezikis is probably the most is not probably he's definitely the most important and talented guy on that entire line, and he's the only guy who's a UFA this year. So, you know, beyond just the fact that they aren't playing that well, uh, you do wonder about where it's going to go from here on out. Um, I'm looking at natural stat trick right now, and I'm looking at you know the sort of team's full list here since April 7th, which was when the Islanders acquired uh, Kyle Palmieri. So this is a week or so before the trade deadline. And a couple of things stand out. So right now the Islanders uh, are 17th in the NHL in expected goals for 14.97, just below the Detroit Red Wings. The Red Wings, they're below the Red Wings in terms of expected goals for. Um, things don't get much better if you look at uh, expected goals for percentage. They are all 20th. So they're at 47.26% again uh, behind guys like the Kings and the Senators. Like the Senators have a higher expected goals for, for percentage right now than the Islanders do. Um, but, you know, the Islanders, their whole thing is high danger chances for, right? Like that's that's what they do. Isn't that their bread and butter? Sure it is. Normally they're like in the top three in the NHL. Currently, high danger chances for percentage. The Islanders are 20th, 46%, like just just below 47%. So they're not even getting 50% of the high danger chances in their games right now, uh, which is a sign of the team not playing as well as they normally would and not playing their style. Um, A couple of points in their favor right now, though. Shooting percentage, right now, Islanders dead last in the NHL at 5.10%, so just above 5% is what they're shooting. And frankly, nobody's going to win like that. The Flyers are right above them. 
The Canadians are above them, who are also struggling right now. Um, two and three in the NHL, excuse me, three and four in the NHL right now, as far as shooting percentage goes, Penguins and Capitals. Penguins just shy, just above 11%. Caps just above 10%. Um, and so that's a huge difference there, five, 5% versus 11%. And then PDO, which, you know, we've come to kind of shooting percentage plus save percentage. Uh, right now, the Islanders are sixth from the bottom. They are 25th in the NHL. Uh, at nine seven two, so you know there's a couple of things there that show that the Islanders aren't doing what they normally need to do. Again, the high danger chances for expected goals for like these are normally things that the Islanders are pretty good at, and right now they're very bad at them. Um, their shooting percentage is also pretty low, and they're not a high shooting percentage team generally speaking. But man, it's very hard to win when you're only scoring on five percent of the shots that are going in. Uh, and their save percentage is fine. Like that, you know, they've been pretty good. Uh, Ilya Sorokin had a very, very bad game on Saturday night. Um, but, you know, talking about things that you don't feel too worried about. I mean, that's what his like third or fourth bad game of the season. So I'm not too worried about him. I don't know why he was so bad. A couple of those goals, in particular, the first one by Garner Hathaway. I got the one by Kuznetsov later. Like those are those are goals you got to have, especially now down the stretch. So, you know, um uh, it it just sucks. Like it sucks that they're doing this, and and you know, again, I don't want to say that their their uh, playoff spot is guaranteed right now because it's not. Uh, it would take an epic collapse and an epic rise for the Rangers to get there, and so it seems pretty locked up. But you know, you can't you just can't do this before the playoffs. Like you just can't. You can't be playing this poorly, and I don't know what the reason is for it. Even Barry Trotz looked kind of confused by it after that. In the post game last night, he just it, it was like a minute long. He didn't seem to have any answers. I don't. He wasn't at his little little table that he usually sits at. So I don't know what was going on. Maybe he was annoyed by that. But this is just not where we thought we'd be after the trade deadline. And you know, the first couple of games, you get it. We're into like we're going to come into week three now, and they're going to play the Capitals again. And it's just this is not you know this team's window is right now. Like they can't afford to just be like, well, I guess that didn't work. I'll see you next season. Like it doesn't really work that way. You know, this is, this team is built for right now. And so this is the opportunity now to see them just kind of throw it away. Like this is really, really hard to watch. It's just, you know, I don't know. makes me not want to watch to be quite honest. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't, it, it, it really is gonna, we should know, I think, you know, what to expect from this team in the next week or two, uh, before we get into the playoffs because it history shows when you when you uh teams the teams that go on runs in, in the playoffs are the teams that have those good fi- last 15 game stretches of the regular season and um the islanders are kind of yeah like you said they're, they're dangerously uh cough they're in danger of like coughing that up and um it it's th- that doesn't mean that but when the when the clock ticks to whatever that they decide to start the playoffs May 15th or whatever, that they can't find their legs, but they can, but it just makes it harder, uh, especially because you are, we are seeing uh, the other teams really collect themselves and, and start to play. Like the Capitals looked like a playoff team last night. Yeah, uh, for sure. They, they, the Bruins have looked like a playoff team since, you know, they got Taylor Hall, which is uh, a funny thing. <laughs> it's like, you know, they, they this, another, the, the Bruins and the Islanders are similar in, that that their team defined by structure and uh, like they have a, a true true identity, uh, so you think that int- introducing someone like Taylor Hall to the mix would take some time because <laughs> that's what it took it took it's been taking time for the Islanders with with Palmieri and Zajac, uh, but it hasn't it, it it completely like reinvigorated and and changed that team season, uh, and then yeah the I mean the Penguins are have been rolling for. 20, I think they have the second best record in the NHL for the last over the last twenty five games behind the Avalanche. So, so they're also in playoff mode. So of the four teams, the the four uh, playoff teams in, in the East, the Islanders are kind of the only one that are wobbling at the at the moment. Uh, what that makes it that's that's what I'm frightened about. That's what I was saying before. Like I'm not like I know that there there is a good team here, and we could still see it, but it it is the the kind of extenuating circumstances that are more frightening to me than than just what what we've seen over the last week or so um teams ebb and flow in the regular season and you you hope that at some point the islanders ebb back and 
they could like they they like you said that their schedule kind of opens up for them right before the playoffs so as as like skeptical as we'll be if the islanders just run roughshod through the sabers and devils to kind of complete the season and we'll be like well you know it was against these two terrible teams playing out the string like it 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 it'll, it could be a good time for them to get back to their game uh because you at a couple weeks ago i was hoping that those games would be like this oh that's a great time to rotate guys out and keep them fresh right. before that's when but, i would have thought yeah. that the experimentation would have begun <laughs> right but now right. they just don't have that luxury anymore unfortunately um and and we'll, we'll talk like because there has been still there has been good like there's been good uh things since the deadline and i i i think like we've we've talked about when the islanders acquired kyle palmieri that he has been playing good hockey but he just the, the pucks aren't going in for him uh and that, that seems to have carried over f- for for the islanders uh for for his stint with the islanders like he's he's getting chances it, one thing he does well is he, he gets the puck to the net like it's it's very similar to wallstrom like he's got a good shot and gets the puck to the net that creates rebounds uh, and a little bit of chaos in front of the net and that that stuff will come in handy in the playoffs um you you just want to see more go in more pucks go in i think he, he I, I can't remember what game it was i guess it was against the rangers where he uh he he, he created a great rush and then ended up like stopping his own shot because he was like hanging on the crossbar so there's some like some wonky luck bad, bad poor luck right now too uh to things like uh, the islanders aren't going to shoot five percent for forever right that 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 number is going to tick up and you hope it starts ticking up soon and into the playoffs um what will help that number tick up is creating better scoring chances which they're not doing uh and a lot of that has to do with the first line which was just an absolute buzzsaw until lee got hurt Hmm. they like basically were behind just the the perfection line of boston in terms of expected goals and it's not just about that one line. Like when a, when a line is going that well, what it does is just completely tilts the ice um, and creates a domino effect, right? Like if Matt Barzell, Eberly, and Lee were having a great shift, that means that not only did they have a chance to score or uh, draw a penalty, which, you know, never really happens for the Islanders anyways, but, but like what it does is it just like it tires out whatever line they're playing against. And that slows down a change and the Islanders can maybe get fresh bodies against the next, uh, unit or or that unit that's tired and, and stuff like that so so losing that uh ability is is what i think has kind of been detrimental to this team and that's what i was saying before about not being terribly worried because there are still aces in the hole in terms of possible third uh members of that line whether it's wallstrom i mean Dalcole or whoever you want to put there um it needs to happen soon because you need to see the results work before uh, but if, if, if it does click for that first line, the Islanders w- will snap right back into place. Like you, you, you think about those, the teams that you're frightened of in the playoffs, are you watching playoffs and you're like, damn, like the lightning just sent over Nikita Kucherov, Steve, Steven Stamkos and Andre Palat. They came off and then Braden point went on. Like, I'm not saying that the Islanders have that kind of power to their lineup, but like, you think about that, that they could send over Barzell, Eberly, and I don't know, Wallstrom. And then those guys have a good shift. And then the next thing you got to deal with is Brock Nelson and Kyle Palmieri. Like that, that's not easy. And that's, that's what the Islanders need to, they need to play to that strength more, which is their, they do have really good players. Like they have a really good top of the lineup when they're, when they're rolling. So that, I, I think it's, it's the fresh, the frustration for the fans is like, we, there is, there is like a really good lineup here and we still haven't seen it, which is, uh, getting a little frustrating, but like we've we've doubted Barry Trotz in the past, and we'll talk about the Rangers game where, uh, like I we were doubting him before that game, and he came out with he cooked up a different lineup, and it just worked. And you so you you know he can do it, and you just hope that it happens. They click and they go, and unfortunately, like we're still in in a wait and see mode. Yeah, I mean, my hope lies in the two games against. The Sabres and and Devils, but you know, well, the four games I should say against those two, but uh, we'll have to talk about them some other time. Right now, the, the focus is on the Capitals on Tuesday, uh, and then the Rangers on Thursday and Saturday. Uh, we're gonna take a break and come back and talk about that Rangers, those two Rangers games, and the one that they just played, which uh, Mike just brought up because uh, it was a good one. It was the only, the only good one of this whole week. Um, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Leave your twitter handle in the review itself so you can enter to win some ebay swag uh there's still a couple days left in april so do that 
Uh, and then May is our last month of doing this. So if you haven't done it yet, do it now because that's when the eBay swag train closes. So leave us a review on iTunes. Put your Twitter handle in there and uh, maybe you can win some cool eBay stuff. Okay, uh, give us a minute. We'll be back and we'll talk uh, Rangers. Blech. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our favorite sponsor is VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. They have hats, too, jerseys, all kinds of great stuff. Uh, They also have our Al Arbor t-shirt. If you uh, buy one, our portion of which that sale goes directly to the Center for Dementia Research. You can also use the code Lighthouse15 and save yourself 15%. So go to VintageIceHockey.com today, score yourself some cool stuff uh, as the playoffs are approaching. Um, okay, so like we said, the Islanders had one good thing happen to them this week, and it was Tuesday night's game against the Rangers, in which they dominated them to the tune of 6-1. to one. Um, You know, it was their most complete game, for sure, since the trade deadline. Um, it took a while for them to break the ice, but the first guy who scored in the game was about three minutes to go in the first period was Josh Bailey. He had been hurt a little bit. Um, and, you know, it's funny, I was looking up Bailey's numbers, and He's got eight goals and 20 assists, and this was before that game. He ended up with the second one, too. So he had six goals going into that game. And, like, you know, he's still third in the league in, in this in the team in assists. And, you know, he's I think he was, like, fifth in points or something like that. And it's like part of me feels like, yeah, that's probably where Josh Bailey normally is. But it just feels like he's, he's had a very, very quiet season, even for him, who's, like, you know, the most ultimate quiet guy uh, in the entire NHL and has been quiet for his entire um career with the Islanders, but he had a really good game. And again, a lot of that I think had to do with playing with JG Pajot as his center. Um, then it, the floodgates opened in the second period. Um, Nelson scored from a, a nice feed from Nick Letty. Palmieri scored on the power play. Um, uh, Anthony Bovillier scored right in front of the net, which was another nice goal. Um, the Rangers came back. They got a tip from somebody who kind of sent the puck in uh, for the point. Um, and then the third period, it was all Islanders and it was great. Uh, Pajot scored on a feed from Bailey and then Bailey uh, scored again later on. Bo had another goal. <laughs> so that whole line was really working and it, and it was great. Um, Anthony Bovillier finished with four points. Best game for him in a long time too. He's always active, but sometimes he doesn't come away with any points, but that time he really did. And, uh, and then Jordan Everly got in on the action too with Travis Ajak who roofed a, uh, who, Everly scored on a roofed backhand feed from Zajac. It was nice, nice setup. Uh, and again, 6-1. Varlamov made 25 saves. Uh, and it was just, a, it was a joy to watch. It really was. And, you know, Dom wrote the next day, like, did we just get our team back? Unfortunately, we did not. Uh, but it was nice to see what they're capable of. Uh, and the best part about it was the Rangers went in, you know, riding a, a kind of a winning streak and their playoff percentage had kind of crept up into double digits and, Right after that, that was a very bad night for them. They lost. I think the Penguins and Bruins both won, and it was good night, Irene, at that point. So that was a fun one. Um, were, were you at that game by any chance, or uh, did you? No, my my, my dad was there, and oh, so he, yeah, go. he he's he's been to two games this year, and he's seen fourteen goals. So because he saw the, uh, the we were we were the at the Capitals ones? game, yeah. So he's he texted me saying, "I'm kind of getting tired of doing yes, yes, yes." Uh, but yeah, I mean that that was a party, like. Uh, they were rolling. That 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 team was from the the second the puck dropped. Like you're like okay, yeah. Like the Islanders are back for 
a game. And one thing that was actually, I kind of walked away from that game being really encouraged about was that they did face a little bit of a wobble, a little adversity in the game, which was that last five minutes of the the second period or so. Basically from the time that uh, the Rangers scored the first goal, they they pushed for the rest of that second period. And the Islanders were a little lucky, I guess, to escape uh, with a two goal lead, but that's what they do. They, when, when uh, shit hits the fan, like the Islanders, Barry Trotz calls it protocols. Like they have these protocols they adhere to. And when they do adhere, adhere to them, they are, you know, buying themselves a couple extra seconds by sweeping pucks to the corner and beating people to those battles, whether, and chipping pucks out and and get at least slowing down, slowing things down enough to, to get a change, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it was nice to see them succeed in those instances because for for a long time now, uh, or since you know basically the beginning of April, that they, they, when stuff kind of goes out of hand, the, the the puck ends up in that back of the Islanders' net. And we talk about that all the time. Like this is a team that when they make mistakes, like you can, and it ends up in the back of the net, you need to be worried because the Islanders are supposed to be able to uh, scramble out of that out of those mis- mistakes and like save par or whatever. Um, and then when they did, like they came out flying in the third period again. And, and there, there were a couple of like mesmerizing rushes through the, to the neutral zone. I think it was what, at the end of the first period, that Pajot goal. Um, first, how awesome is it to have like a guy who's like a legitimate Ranger killer uh, in the lineup? Like I can't think of anybody who's, who comes to mind. That's like been like that, uh, especially because he came from somewhere else. Like, and I remember when we got him, a couple of friends of mine who are Ranger fans were like, dude, I hate that guy. I just hate him. <laughs> Uh, because you know the four goal game he scored, uh, or he put together in uh, the playoffs a couple years ago, and he just he scored his first game ever against the uh, the Rangers as an Islander scores fights Jacob Truba and and he's basically been scoring against them ever since. Um, so so like that's awesome. It's just it's just fun to have him in the lineup for for those games. Uh, but the point the point being that they that game turned turned looked like it was turning the season around and actually like you go back to that flyers game which we talked about last time that sorokin stole i thought that was going to be the the mini turning point to the season because they escaped they could exhale a little bit they got two very important points they then they carried that over into the ranger game and it's like okay like maybe we saw saw that we survived the rope-a-dope a little bit but uh that's that's not been the case but that's part part of the reason that I'm I'm still in I'm not hitting any panic button is because of what we saw against the Rangers who have been as hot as anyone in the NHL lately and the Islanders were able to put them in their place frankly and uh if if the, they can do that you know for more than a period in a game like the, the Islanders are going to be an impossible out in the playoffs and nobody will want to play them but ugh, it's just not it's just not been the same and and there's if you think about the two like the two lineups, like the one we saw against the Rangers and the one we saw against the the Capitals, there's really not been the difference has been negligible. If if anything, like they they, they just have this the same players sometimes get their souls sucked out by aliens or something. I don't know what to say. <laughs> like it's like, but they they've not they it's the same team. So they just need to figure it out, <laughs> frankly, and and play more like that and uh we know they can like that's the the frustrating thing about this is like we know that this team can hit those heights and they haven't been doing it consistently enough it's and the thing is too like and this is you know this is some real serious armchair quarterbacking stuff for me and i almost i hate to do it but like you know we know now from three seasons that Yes, there's there's a game plan, and the Islanders have you know follow this structure that has been put into place by Barry Trotz and his his staff. But like we also know that a lot of that is down to just straight up effort. Like you know when I was on my friend's podcast, the the Broad Street Hockey Podcast, with my friend Kelly, she was like, people seem to Flyers fans seem to think that the Islanders are just bigger and and rougher than the flyers are. And they just sort of push their guys around and, and you know, they had another guy, Bill over there thought that they committed interference on every play. Like that's the kind of way the Islanders play. And I, my answer to her was, trust me, they're not, not much bigger than, than anybody else in the NHL. If anything, they're smaller and slower, but they're, 
and it's, I'm not going to disagree that there's not interference on every play, but it's interference with a purpose is what I, I said to her. Like it's, you know, there's a reason for that. And that's just not happening right now. I mean, getting back to that game against the Capitals on Saturday, like the Caps are just skating through the neutral zone. Like the Islanders weren't even there. And like, that's not how the Islanders play. Whereas you contrast that to the, how the Rangers game went and the Islanders were in their way. Like the Islanders just didn't let them up from, and you know, if they took the puck, they just took it right back. And like, that's how they play. And so when they get into these modes where, you know, things aren't going right and, you know, okay, uh, look, fine. Their shooting percentage is 5%. That's obviously awful and is not going to stay that way for a long time and it'll get better. But like there, there's no substitute for not trying to take the puck away <laughs> from the guy who's got it. And in the games when they're not playing well, the other team just, just does what they want. And the Islanders don't fight back against the caps. They looked slow. They looked like they were just standing around in a lot of places. They just were kind of letting the Caps do what they want. Whereas, again, against the Rangers, they looked as fast as the Rangers were. Or, if not as fast, then smarter and better, you know, more anticipatory. And they knew what they what they needed to do. They knew where the other guy was going to be. They were predictable in their way, as Barry Tross also likes to say. And it worked. And they just smothered them. And, again, that third period, you go back and watch that third period, and you're like, you know, this it was 4-1 at that point. And so, I mean, it – I'm not like the Rangers were going to have to come back, but like there was a chance at one point for them to make it three, two, I believe, uh, or four, two. And, you know, they, they managed to get out of there. And if that happens, like, you know, if you go into that period four, two, like that's, you know, the Rangers can kind of smell a comeback. Not only did they not get that goal, but they also snuffed out any hope the Rangers had for a comeback in that third period by just being on top of them. I don't know how many chances the Rangers had in that period, but it wasn't many. And the Islanders didn't got two goals of their own and just like, well, this is it now. And so, the, you know, it rolled to a 6-1 victory. I mean, that's that's not a, a feeling we've had a lot, especially in the last couple of weeks. And so a lot of that got just chalked down to effort. I don't know where that effort went on Thursday and Saturday against a team that they're directly chasing in, into the you know uh, playoffs or even so in the effort in games against the Penguins or the, those last two games against the Bruins. Like, again, they were just as bad as these two games against the, the Capitals. Like, where was that team? And it's like, yeah, okay, the Rangers aren't those guys. I get that. But the effort level was a completely different on a, on a completely different level. It was it wasn't the same at all. So that's what's really frustrating to me is, yeah, I mean, we know that team can play this way. We've seen it happen. We saw it happen all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. And this team, if anything, you know, without Anders Lee, which is a huge problem, is, you know, at least on par. I mean, again, they've got Paul Mary there who who should be able to at least somewhat replicate what, what Lee lost. And then you've got guys that are, you know, the same and maybe getting a little bit better, but just not happening. And, and that's not the way they play. And, you know, when that happens, and and I think I believe Tuesday's game is on NBCSN, if I'm not mistaken. And now you're looking at a, a national audience that for the second week, you know, second time in two weeks is going to look at this Islanders team. And if they don't show up and actually try, people can be like, what's going on with these guys? I mean, that game against the Flyers that, that Sorokin stole you talked about, that was a nationally broadcast game. And Pierre McGuire just tore them a new one <laughs> the entire game long because they stunk. Like, what what is going on? And so I, that's, the to me, the most frightening thing is that we saw the effort in one game and then we didn't see it again in two games. And I don't know what's happening. Like, I, I, I don't think Barry Trotz is telling these guys, eh, don't worry about it. You know, don't, forget it. Don't, you don't need to play that hard. Like, he's not telling them that, but that's exactly what they're doing. And he's having a hard time stopping them from doing that. And it, uh, it, it, it bothers me. I mean, as great as that Rangers game was, the next two were just as bad. But it was nice to kind of bask in the joy of, of that victory <laughs> all day uh, Wednesday. Uh, before the Caps came and ruined it, but uh, it was great. And again, to see them to see their playoff hopes take a huge hit like that was also even better. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, everything about that game was awesome. Um, to the to like, it was great to put uh, five or six behind Shesterkin. Uh, they they slowed down Panarin and Sabanajad. It, it, it was it was a great just a great performance. And to the to the point that the Islanders like they these other teams kind of just think of the Islanders as like this bigger, more physical team when they are playing well, like that's what they look like. They look cause they are all over you on the four check. You, you don't have a second to breathe. Your defensemen are playing a lot of the game with their face two inches away from the, the glass, like mm. making a, a p- pass a- along the boards and just hoping that their, their winger is there. 
And guess what? That winger is going to have to deal with a four checker or get hit. And I, I think one one of the like most like, like you, you uh, we uh, you have to say like oh you hate you hate seeing players get hurt or whatever. But it was really hard not to when you saw the hit from Matt Martin on Jacob Truba. Like that is that the Islanders like right like they he was it was a very clean perfectly timed hit that ended up basically turning turning that kind of game around or or like was a was a good footnote in that game was the, that that was a, a big hit it it cost the rangers a defenseman that changes the lineup the rangers aren't re- all that deep that yet Adam Fox is awesome but and Keandre Miller looks great too but behind them you t- don't talking about okay without Jacob Truba they got to give Anthony Batetto and Brendan Smith who for some reason turns into one of the, you know, he's basically Bobby Orr when the Islanders play the Rangers so for, for some reason because he's terrible everywhere else. But you, you, you're you're feeding those guys big minutes. Like those are, those are the type of things that when the Islanders are going, like they're they're they they're smothering. They're they love to say they're above the puck and they're forechecking and uh, it's it's visceral. It's like a very you can feel it when they're when they're motoring, and the other teams can feel it too. Like they, I'm sure that Claude Giroux and the Flyers are sick and tired of being chased down by Brock Nelson or and stuff like they, <laughs> I'm sure like that or, and their fans are probably like, I wish we had a player like that who he's big. He's, he's not only is Brock isn't like the most physical guy, but he's also, but he's big and he uses his size and he's very crafty uh, on back checks and stuff. Like he, he's a, he's, he's a great player. Like he's a great second line center. Uh, and when, when the Islanders are playing well, those guys get elevated because everybody's doing their job. And, not everybody's doing their job right now. There's there's some serious issues uh, with a couple of players, and we talked a lot about them. And I'm not you can't scapegoat them because look the island. If if you want to blame Cal Clutterbuck or Scott Mayfield uh, for the Islanders downtick in form, it's wrong. Like yeah, they're not playing well, but I didn't see really anybody playing well uh, against the Capitals on Saturday night and. The, the game before that sure there was more there were more players playing well than there were on Saturday but there w- it wasn't everybody so it's not it's not just going to come down to two guys but when those guys or or if Noah Dobson and Andy Green are caught on a bad shift when the rest of the team isn't playing well those moments get are become much more dangerous because they, they're not going to get bailed out by Matt Barzell and Jordan Everly dominating and turning a, a a great shift into a goal at the other end and, and or and plays like that like so this is this is really the issue and like there's we we've we've now talked ad nauseum about it but there are there are like things that the coaching staff can do but if they don't do it it it's not like it's not it shouldn't be the end of the world like they should still this team is still good enough to to win games with they've they've shown it like they dominated they've dominated teams with leo Komarov playing first line minutes like playing <laughs> they've dom- they put in some of their best performances this season with Leo Komarov playing more five on five minutes than, than Matt Barzell. So it's not like that. That's what it tells you that this team is good enough, no matter who's in the lineup to do, to, to, to really uh, step on team's throats. So it's, it. yeah, we can all wish, wish list and a, a lineup as much as we want, but the, like those things probably just won't come. And uh, it's, it, if, if Leo Komarov is taking on Brad Marchand in round one of the NHL playoffs, like you're just gonna have to live with it and hope that the, the team that Leo led uh, led out against the Capitals when they won eight four is, is the one that shows up, and we can talk about it all day long, but we just won't know. We just it, we can get clues and we can get hints by the way that they play down the next couple of weeks, but we're not going to know until uh, you know we 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 get closer. Uh, so you just hope you just hope that like yeah maybe they did take their foot off the gas a little bit. I think you know it, it could be the case like that Ranger game was as much a de facto playoff clinching game as you as close to one as you can get and and yes they're not in yet and knock on wood they don't lose their next you know go on a nine game losing streak here <laughs> but like that that the point is like that maybe maybe that is that is what it is it was a little bit of a let up you that's what you, th- that's the best case scenario at this point is that they they took their foot off the gas a little bit and for that's it like that they'll they'll hear it from barry trotz and lane lambert who got like is there there's something i don't know if there's very many more people like that would frighten me more to make mad than lane lambert he looks like he looks like martin scorsese cast him would like if, if martin scorsese knew who lane lambert is he'd be in a lot of movies <laughs> right. he'd be like yeah. a, a strong quiet kind of enforcer guy 
who uh, who's backing up Joe Pesci or something <laughs> in, 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 in Scorsese's movies because he just he just has that look about him. And honestly, Trotz has like a little bit of like a godfather, god like godfather kind of look to him, especially when he got the the three piece suit going. Yeah. Uh, so like now you got me thinking about a Scorsese hockey movie. Yeah, which would be kind of awesome. It may be yeah. like six hours long, but yeah, of course, yeah. I don't know <laughs> what what I don't know what you want to call it, but you can you can see like the, those Barry Barry being like the anti hero, uh, mm. and and Lane Lambert being the guy that yeah he's like putting ice picks in places you don't want ice picks to go. So it's like. But the point, I don't even like those. They're they're getting. They're, I'm sure those guys are 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 you know leaning into this team for the way that they've been playing, just like they should be in a Martin Scorsese movie when when their earners aren't earning enough money. So it's like it's it's hopefully you just hope that these next two games give you much more of an indication that things are turning around. And like we can we we should keep mentioning that they're not going to shoot five percent for the rest yeah. of the season like that. If they do, they're, they're, no matter how well they play, they're not going to win games. So like, you just hope that number ticks up. I, I hope so. It better. I mean, cause that, that's pretty bad. Or at least the penguins and caps start ticking down a little bit. Um, you know, Marty score says he seems like the guy to me who like has been in New York, obviously his whole life and has experienced a ton of stuff, but has probably never watched a baseball game from start to finish. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, or a basketball game and like, They'll be like, oh, oh, are the Yankees playing today? Yeah, Marty, they kind of play every day in the summertime. Oh, 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 all right. Uh, yeah. Who are they playing? And then you say, like, the Tampa Bay Rays. And he's like, oh, and meanwhile, it's clear that he's never heard of this team. And that's <laughs> no idea they exist. You know, that, that goes for any sport. Like, you know, oh, oh, the the Nets are playing? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, who are they playing? Oh, the, the, the Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, okay. You know, oh, cool, cool, cool. Like that, you know, like <laughs> Anyway, I just it, it, I mean, I, it, it would be interesting to hear him talk about the Islanders too. Like, if you just showed him a picture, like, yeah, because Anders Lee is a very distinct looking individual, right? Like, he's another one that if you were casting a hockey movie, like Andy Anders Lee would would definitely be in it. And then you got you got Ilya Sorokin, who mm. couldn't look more like a you know a, a Russian KGB like rocket scientist if he tried. <laughs> uh, so it's like there is like a very you could you know cast and then you i mean the islanders are also they have to be d- losing Derek broussard hurt but they're probably the most handsome team to a man in the nhl well i was gonna say like between beau and pajot you've got like the two like every team's got to have those two french canadian guys that just talk french to each other the whole yeah. time like those, those those are those two guys like that's exactly <laughs> what they would be as well yeah. <laughs> and then yeah obviously the godfather coach and then the hot young the hot young center Barzell, you know, uh, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's possible. Now now you got me thinking about this. I, I got to check this. We got to make this happen. Scorsese. Yeah. Well, I mean, you think movie. Leo DiCaprio ended up at a at an island. Oh, right. Game, you know, and yeah. he, he, I don't think he seemed to have a good time. He <laughs> put his hat over his eyes. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, he was at the Barclays Center. How sad is yeah. that? Like, you know, you'd be like, yeah. oh, Leo, man, you should, you'd be, you should be sitting with Ralph Macchio at, at the Coliseum. I would think that there's celebrity game will definitely be increased once UBS arena is complete. I would think that we're going to see a lot of cool celebrities because, because they'll be like, you know, tied with um, Oakview group and like all the, all the, the musicians and stuff. So I feel, I have a feeling we're going to see a lot I wanna, of musicians. I, wanna, I want to be the guy to check the credentials at the door because like, <laughs> I, I love, our, I love our crew of, of like C listers. I love, I, I think <laughs> I want, I want Macho to be, be the, uh, to be the ringleader. He's, yeah. he, I, it's I, whenever I tell people like who, are sports fans and they they don't really know much about hockey or don't pay attention and they don't know anything about the Islanders. Um, I'd be like, Oh yeah. Like Ralph Macchio is a Islander <laughs> fan. They think it's like the funniest, coolest like thing ever. And, and I, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, oh, God, like I, I like, I love that. Like that is just so stereotypical, like long Island eighties, long Island, that this guy is a huge Islander fan and, and still watches games. And he's, he's like, a guy like he should be on a if the Islanders win the Stanley Cup like he should have his own float like it should just be <laughs> Ralph Macchio maybe he should be holding the cup maybe and on the float because he's it's just awesome that he's an Islander fan yeah. um but yeah he like DiCaprio maybe we'll let back in but yeah I'll be the guy checking the other ones like I I don't want to see like like Brad Paisley show up yeah <laughs> well I was gonna say I feel like Oakview has a thing with Lady Gaga I think that's like one of their big acts so but I feel like an Islanders game. A UBS arena is the only place where Ralph Macchio will get a bigger pop from the audience than Lady Gaga would. 
Like they put Lady Gaga on the screen. She gets a big <laughs> applause. People like more people probably be like, holy shit, what is Lady Gaga doing here? It's, doesn't she have something more important to be at? But they're like if Ralph Macchio is on the screen, that whole place is going to go completely bo- I, I bananas. Yeah. There was like a, a real fun era in the Coliseum history where Charles Wong just was like bringing his boys to the game. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, like, like the Colin Powell thing always yeah. cracked me up. But also <laughs> on one of the last games ever at the Coliseum or the first, you know, last game ever, I think it was during the Capital Series, like all of a sudden Hideki Matsui showed up on the Jumbotron and it's always the first the first reaction isn't like at, at a Ranger game where like people are like oh like there's Tom mm. Hanks let's we gotta like clap for Tom Hanks it's it's like holy yeah it's like holy shit what the hell what? Is Hideki, <laughs> yeah you hit the guy next to you like what's Hideki Matsui doing at the Islander game like that and then everybody's going hilarious. to their buddy next to him like dude Matsui's here no come on <laughs> no look 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 and then, then it's like so there's like the delayed reaction of and, the crowd and, and it speaks to the Islander fan base too that like if I we're talking about this there's gonna be a lot of people listening to this who remember the Hideki Matsui game. Whereas, like at a, at a Ranger game, or if you want to go to like a, a Leafs game, like yeah, there no no Ranger fans going to remember a game because right. you know, you know, Joe Pesci was there. Like yeah, or, Liam Neeson is there all the time. Yeah, like, exactly. Who the hell cares? Like <laughs> yeah, for us, it's just like holy shit. Dude, yeah, look, yeah, it's a big deal. <laughs> look what Matsui's here. Oh. No, I don't know how we end up going from Marty Scorsese to arena celebrity appearances, but I'm glad we did because this you know we're coming to the end here, and so this is this is a perfect spot for me to make our plea. I think you and I are the only people in the Islanders fanosphere or whatever you want to call it to not get invited to the construction site uh, of UBS Arena and get the tour. They had a whole big thing going on. Like, you know, you could tell because like all the, the same people you follow are all posting <laughs> pictures from inside the arena and everybody's got the hard hat on. Uh, Andrew Gross had the hard hat on. Look good on him. You know, like everybody had the, you know, get, getting the tour. They have two seats there. So like you can see like where the seats are going to look. So everybody had the same picture, the same two seats all over. So this is my thing. Islanders. And if anybody at the Islanders is listening and can make this happen, I'll take a day off of work. I don't care. My boss knows he's, he's cool with it. I'll take a day off of work. I want to come out <laughs> to the Island and, and look at the, the, uh, the construction. Uh, I know nothing about building buildings. Uh, I sit in front of a computer all day at work, but uh, it would be pretty cool. I doubt this is ever going to happen, but I'm glad we got on this topic and I'm glad I can mention this because I've noticed that a lot of people are getting tours of this place and it's not us. And that bothers me. So was that tour with, with the new tours where they to announce I like, cause they, they pop up randomly and like, I'm like, what? Yeah. There's no like rhyme or reason. Was this one because they, they made like the Heineken. Are you only going to be able to buy Heineken at UBS arena? I mean, that's their that's official the beer sounds. sponsor. <laughs> that's the way it sounds. It's only going to be Heineken, which I think is, it, it's kind of funny. You got this a Swiss bank sponsoring the arena. And then you got the, the, was it Belgian or German beer? German uh, beer, yeah. German beer. So it's very. We got Mark Strain and Tom Kunakel and. Uh, <laughs> well, Heineken, Heineken USA, I'm sure has other like beer labels, right? Like there's other, yeah, like yeah. you know, Budweiser isn't just Bud. It's like right. fifty different kinds of beer. So I, I would like I, to bring. I would like if we get to go to to be able to bring some some uh to to go with some alumni that we love mm. to. Like they they yeah. sh- they should be touring with like you know Sean Bates should be at that arena. <laughs> I was thinking too. It's funny you bring that up too, because I was thinking like, how many like locker room construction sites has Bob Nystrom been to for the Islanders? Like, you know, because they renovated the Coliseum a couple of times. He was at the Barclays Center one where they were doing that. Now he's at this one. Like, he's seen probably close to half a dozen locker rooms built for the Islanders since he retired. And uh, I don't know. He seems. I mean, I guess he's got nothing much better to do, and that's cool by him. I mean, it's really, oh, and that's another reminder too. Um, so the Islanders have a new official podcast now, and it's called Talking Isles, and it's with Greg Picker and Corey Wright, who does a lot of the uh, Islanders, uh, you know, digital content that you read uh, that comes out on the website, and uh, it's really cool. Like they talk to Nystrom, they're gonna have alumni on, and I guess people around the Isles, and it, it, they talk to Nystrom for the first episode, and like you know, I mean, we've all heard Bob Nystrom talk now for forever, and. Uh, he, but he told some cool stories. Like, did you know that Bob Nystrom, when he first played in the AHL, uh, he wore glasses? Like, have you ever seen a picture of Bob no. Nystrom, like a young Bob Nystrom wearing glasses while playing hockey? No, I haven't. That's, no, that's awesome. Yeah, that like blew my mind. And apparently blew Corey and Greg's minds too because they were like, wait, what? Like, they, so they asked him about that. And he talked about how uh, how he found out he got drafted. Obviously, you know, 1972, there wasn't like a big to-do on TV. And he was at a bar. After a game with his friends and like the bartender's like, uh, call for Nystrom, you know, like from the Simpsons. And so he picks up the phone and it's his dad. And he's like, hey, you've been drafted by the New York Islanders. And he's like, great. Who are they? Like, 
<laughs> no idea. So, so that's a much better story when Bob Nash. The, the, the team, the team in the the Scorsese movies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but I, check it out. I don't know if, if anybody else saw it or if you haven't heard it yet. But uh, I guess it's going to be like a weekly thing. But uh, it was really cool. Like I got to tell you, I mean, at first you're like, oh, all right, that's cool, Bob Nystrom. Of course, it's got to be Nystrom. But uh, he told yeah. a bunch of stories that I, I know I hadn't heard before. So I mean, that's that's cool. Like you want to hear those those kinds of things. I don't know how that that glasses thing kind of fell out, flew under the radar for the last 40 years. But uh, now I got to see a picture of this. Cause that, that to me is just unbelievable. And then he, then he lost him and they're like, yeah, they, you know, the contact lenses were a new thing back then, but I had to try them. And I'm like, okay, sure. Why not? But, it, the, the, I think it, uh, like one funny thing about um, the, like us as Islander fans and the, the dynasty obviously is, will always be the pinnacle. And, and I, I missed it by, a long time like i i I don't have any real uh like uh connection to him like physically or whatever because i wasn't alive but uh those the fact that they're they've been around and like come basically get brought into every fabric as they should of the um of like the organization since then uh, it's it's crazy because you, like you like you just surprised me with that story when like like I said I'm not I wasn't alive for for the heyday of the, of the uh, of the dynasty but I you know all these like stories like secondhand from you know them going out and you know where they hung out and uh, you'd hear from especially like when I was bartending like you you talk to like an old timer and be like oh yeah like I remember when I would be out like this place in Levittown and the Islanders would show up on like Wednesday nights to play darts or whatever and like just stuff like that. And and it's nice, but it's nice to like that we're we're stopped. We've stopped with like the um, kind of like surface level stuff, and we're starting to appreciate the like the cult icon uh, style likeness of of that group. And because what it's done is also like been able to show like it's been able to allow the team, which and they've done such a better job of this over the last like four years of like of of elevating the other alumni. Like for for a long time. It was like you'd hear about the the dynasty, and you'd, you'd hear them talk about how every time in you know they they went to overtime in the playoffs, it, they'd all say like, "Oh, like I'm going to be the guy, I'm going to be the guy, I'm going to be that." So we've kind of like moved past those stories, and we're into the, these ones like of the 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 glasses, or you see the video Butch Goring doing his like disco moves at uh, at like the talent show, and we're starting to see more stuff like that, and that's allowing like us to celebrate the hockey exploits of Kenny Johnson and stuff like that too, <laughs> because I think for when we when they do move to UBS arena like i i hope uh that that is still going to be a huge part of uh the like the experience like we that we are going to see you know Lubo Viznovsky back at you know <laughs> on long island we're going to see uh those those kind of guy like like Kip Miller or Keith O'Coin or whoever like th- like those guys hopefully they 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 come back and see like where this team has come because like honestly th- those those players are pretty important. Like they're no, nowhere near as important as a dynasty, but like those teams and, and being able to contribute, like in, in a, in for a franchise that had so many negative seasons, if you were a part of a team that had a moment, you're incredibly important to it. Like you're incredibly important to this fan base. And, they, and like you said, like if, if the Islanders showed Lady Gaga on the Jumbotron after they showed Roman Hammerlick, like <laughs> Roman Hammerlick would just get a huge, huge ovation. And everyone would be sitting back down and be like, oh, I got to get back up again for Lady Gaga. So like, <laughs> and, and I think the the point is that like those guys, Greg and, and Corey are so good about knowing like who these cult icons are outside of just like, and, and, and like they know how to now kind of handle, get more out of the dynasty guys than just the kind of cliche at this point mm-hmm. stories of, of uh, guys in the locker room saying like, Oh, I'm going to be the guy and getting into like the, the, Long Island fabric of them, and also while also being able to elevate the uh, you know Sean Bates and Yanni Ninimas of the world. Yeah, I'm looking forward to more of it. I mean, he does tell that that overtime story too, but uh, I am looking forward to to more of it because it, it was really cool. So, uh, it, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure the usual suspects are all around the corner. Gillies, uh, Lafontaine is always there, um, but I think that they're going to probably. I mean, now that since the alumni nights have started. You know, they, they've rounded up all of these guys, whatever contact information. And so, you know, they brought a lot of a lot of guys. Nobody was. I mean, you know, we talked about Peter Mika at the time he was there. So, I mean, I have a feeling that there's going to be some sort of like blanket invitation to like, if you want to come here, you know, the seats on us or there's a suite that's like designed for just alumni. I could see that happening. And so, you know, you're, you're looking at a situation where like every game there could be some 
some Islander, uh, you know, ghost of Islanders past up in a suite somewhere and he's on the jumbotron and, and, we, and we can see how it goes, but you know, Bates will definitely be there for sure. Yeah. And, <laughs> we and, know that. Uh, and, and again, the, the usual suspects. It really there. does make you proud though, to be part of this group when, you know, they show Richard Park or Jeff Tambellini on the, the jumbotron, like they will, the, the roof will get blown off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, that's, that's, that's what's one of my favorite parts about this, this fan base. It's like, yeah, like it, it could, you could be, you can make Jeff Tambellini feel like Bob, Bobby Orr for two seconds. Uh, and we will. Like if he shows back up, if, if Jeff Tambellini shows up at an Islander game and they show him on the scoreboard, people will blow the roof off for him. Man, Richard Park. And this, this reminds me, we got to do – I had another podcast idea that we talked about. That I gotta, we got to get on that. I'm just so lazy sometimes. I don't know. We got to work on that. But it, w- it would be just ran, random Islanders. We just have discussions about them. But that's another show for another time. Literally another another entire podcast for another time. But <laughs> we'll get on that. Anyway, all right. Well, I'm glad we had this discussion because it was a good palate cleanser from the anger and uh, anxiety from the beginning. Yeah. So uh, thanks to Marty Scorsese for, uh, <laughs> for leading us down this path. <laughs> God, uh, well, he would be. He would, it would be funny to to see him. Like, yeah, yeah like you said, just watch and watching an island game with that yeah. guy, and being like, he probably. Right, I assume I, he'd be criticizing like camera placements and stuff for the most part. Like, why the cam? Why is the camera here? He, why are we he chasing would love that? Butch. I think Butch. He would love to. Like, if, if, if I would actually, that's what it is. Like, you'd want to watch the game. You before you brought him to a game, you'd want to watch one on TV with him, and you'd yeah. be like, he'd be like, all right, that Butch Goring guy's he's perfect like caricature for <laughs> like a Western Canadian guy calling a hockey game yeah he's he's crazy uh he's just like the right amount of crazy he's perfect he'd be a great another great uh casted character uh for for especially you know with just the accent and the way he the way he reacts to to bad calls and stuff uh so yeah you got to watch it with him on this side of the screen before you actually bring him to uh the game because i I don't know if he would have a terrible he would have a terrible time at the game it's an absolutely (laughs) terrible time yeah I, I i don't know well especially the call scene he would, he would love the, he would love the long island accents i think he'd love to hear people oh, sure. make jokes about the bathroom line and stuff like that and <laughs> but, but but outside of that he he would spend most of his time i guess in on the concourse then he would you'd be like where's where is he like the game started he's like oh no he's listening to people talk on the bathroom line and right. taking notes and I, I just can't picture him like eating a cold pretzel sitting in this cramped little seat watching the Islanders yeah, Sabres have, you'd, game. You'd you have know? to bring him to the, the the guy who sells the hot pretzels in the parking lot afterwards. Because once again, yeah. like he's like, oh, another character, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's definitely they're definitely not hurting for characters. That's for sure. Uh, it's not it's not unlike Goodfellas in that way for sure. Uh, all right. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully, the games <laughs> this week against the Capitals and Rangers are equally as fun. Uh, but more productive in the sense that the Islanders get points out of them. That's the important thing. Uh, okay. Uh, where can everybody find you on Twitter? The Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at the Big Lebowski with two E's. Read his work at Action Network. Uh, follow, uh, read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. You can follow all of our podcasts at LHH Podcasts on Twitter. Um, you can follow me at Culture of Losing if you want. We thank you for listening, and uh, we'll be back Sometime next week, uh, and hopefully uh, we'll be in a better mood, uh, at least to start anyway. And we don't have to talk about Marty Scorsese to uh, put (laughs) us in a better one. (laughs) But uh, we'll talk to you guys then. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Phone is ringing. Oh, my God. Them is bony. Gotta do it like this, like Chachi and Joni. Yo, she's a cheese and I'm the macaroni, so why?